0: welcome back everyone to point of sale the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers and the data and technology of course that move our supply chains and we're going to have a nice little episode today we're going to get into some silly news some more serious news and then uh, welcome on a not new team member of one of our favorite companies here at Point of Sale, but one who's worked his way up to a really incredible role. So we'll dive into that a little bit later. But of course, I want to remind everyone that Point of Sale is not just a wonderful podcast, visual podcast show. You can check it out, of course, anywhere that you listen to podcasts or on YouTube or FreightWaves TV, but it is a community. So with that comes a weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays for you all. All you have to do is head to freightwaves.com slash POS and you can sign up for that today. And then while you're at it, you might as well just go to freightwaves.com slash newsletters and sign up for the rest of our wonderful communities as well. So you can be up to date with all types of areas of supply chains, in particular, the retail side for this one as well. So go do that uh, after the show but as i have you here of course one of my favorite companies to talk about uh you know what you could probably guess it if you listen to more than six episodes of this show you already know where this is going yes walmart yeah i'm back on my walmart game where we're talking about her once again uh and here's the thing uh, i would highly suggest i believe if you check out uh some of our other content uh the stock out uh their community newsletter and the show the uh our get, uh, Mike bowden still does a really great job of diving into the numbers. I'm going to fl- slightly touch on numbers here. But the cool thing about Walmart and as we talk about the supply chains and what retailers are doing, I want to dive into some just interesting points that I pulled from their uh, their earnings uh, call last week. So uh, over on, t- on top of everything, 26% increase in e-commerce sales globally. This is huge. I keep telling people at Walmart when it comes to e-commerce is a behemoth. And not just here in the U.S., but the reopening of China was huge for their uh, numbers as well. Also, talk about emerging economies. India, Uh, they had a huge increase in phone and technology sales in India. They own Flipkart, which is a uh, a third party uh, selling platform in India and Middle East as well. And they added over 35,000 new partners over there. I I want people to really understand the context of that. As an emerging economy, you see such a bit nice increase in not just, uh, of course, partners coming on to their e-commerce platform. Uh, and these are merchants, right? Selling different products on there. But you also have the phone aspect. And I wanted to point that out most importantly, because when you see emerging economies starting to get these nice little cell phones in their hands, well, we're going to see more sales come from them as well. On top of that, and this is a big part of Walmart that people don't really touch on that I'm just fascinated by. Walmart Connect, which is their advertising space, they saw 30% growth in that in Q1, huge gains in Walmart Connect overseas as well. Like just started doing Flipkart uh, ads, and they saw a 50% increase in those sales um, from those ads as well. So, uh, it's interesting, I think, if people just see Walmart on the surface as a convenience store that's usually cheaper than the rest, but they've got their hands in so many different long-term investments that gets me very excited to see as they grow. And, and if you look at past episodes, uh, honestly, just, just type in uh, point-of-sale Walmart into YouTube, you'll likely catch me talking about a lot of these stuff, these areas a little bit more detail um, from the past as well. Uh, we also learned a lot about consumers, right? we talked about companies like Walmart, Target. Yes, I'd say Target's a little bit more on the higher end. But Walmart, um, grocery stores in, in general, we get to learn about the consumer a little bit more. Now, they themselves saw a huge reduction in SNAP, snap benefits being used, uh, which I think points to a lot of what the consumers are doing to to hold on to any type of liquid, even if it's the benefits from the state coming in. Lower tax refunds, that's something we've talked about um, from what we've seen. And it's its great to see Walmart uh, showcasing that in their data as well. This one's interesting to me because, boy, oh boy, does this generation like to, to uh, figure it out. Social security benefits, because of the cost of living increases, they actually saw more spending from those with social security benefits than anyone else, which, yeah, go figure at this point. I think uh, my generation is used to hearing that kind of stuff. So hopefully it's there when we get there. But uh, it's interesting to kind of see that different consumer behavior. And on top of it all, we talked about this in the past. I think JP did an article on this too. They continue to see a huge gain in higher income households. People are valuing, of course, valuing cheaper goods over convenience. And I don't think that trend is going anywhere anytime soon. It sounds like Walmart's making the right adjustments to continue to to deal with those trends. They've seen some incredible work in their inventory as well so that they're not overstocked and they're not in the position to get themselves in trouble when it comes to that. So uh, happy to see their investments again when we look at overseas what they're doing. Even more excited to see uh, some consumer, uh, even better consumer uh, data, right, from from this uh, company as well. So here I go get on my Walmart training. and I'm going to be on it. You can't take me off of it at all. You'd have to show me some really crazy data to take me off the Walmart uh, mobile. But hey, love them and happy to see they're continuing to grow too. I'm going to work on getting a Walmart uh, rep on here. Someone in there who's in their space. I think I had them on the radio show for their driver side of things. So we'll work on getting someone from the retail side too so we can talk to them more in depth about it. Until then, uh, I want to talk to you about maybe something a little bit nostalgia that we see uh, pretty much everywhere now. Even uh, local 7-Eleven Speedways have them here. I remember about 2009, Coca-Cola came out with this new machine called the Freestyler. You saw it at movie theaters like right away, where you can mix different uh, flavors into your favorite sodas and just get real weird with it. Well, Now there's someone else jumping on that train and it's good old Hines. If we bring up the video so they can see exactly what this thing looks like. Yeah, it kind of looks just like the Coca-Cola machine, to be quite honest with you. And it's going to let me do exactly that, enhance your sauces. So it breaks down just like you think, uh, just like the Coca-Cola machine. Now this machine is going to offer over 200 different combinations of base sauces. So this is how it will work. You'll have base sauces like ketchup, ranch, barbecue sauce, and 57 sauce. And you'll have enhancers, including jalapeno, smoky, smoky chipotle, buffalo, and mango. And they'll be available at different intensities. So like myself, who's kind of weak, like I love jalapeno, but at very low volume. Uh, If you love spice, then you could have some barbecue sauce with some smoky chipotle at the highest level of intensity uh ranch uh, that stuff's kind of crazy i will say this machine won't mix bases yet so all of you oddball ketchup ranchers out there uh that's happening at a convenience store near us anytime soon but they did say that's something that possibly they might invest in in the future and here's the cool part about it the reason they did this and actually something that Uh, really paid off for Coca-Cola is again, like we always talk about, consumer data. Now off of this uh, and off the Coca-Cola machines, uh, Coca-Cola actually came up with some of their most popular flavors like Sprite Cherry. Uh, This is the same situation here. They want to see maybe what consumers are mixing together, what popular flavors are coming to the table, and then they could possibly sell those on uh, shelves near you sometime soon. So uh if you see one of these like let me know shoot me uh an image of it let me know how it goes if i see one trust me i'll be playing around with it but uh i won't lie i'm, I'm thinking of my playing a little ketchup ranch by itself barbecue uh by i don't need any intensities you know what that's a lie the mango and barbecue sauce look like a little bit j- jalapeno that could be kind of interesting and uh that's a wrap up of our retail s news for today we do have a wonderful guest with us. For everyone out there, we've had C3 Solutions on the show a few times. Their yard management software helps, of course, bring uh, less waste to uh, yard planning. and helps, of course, get drivers in and out, keeps our supply chains moving. Well, we actually have a long-term employee of the company, one who's just recently worked his way up to an incredible role. Mark Tompkinson is now the CTO Of C3 solutions. So, we're going to ask them some questions on their technology. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: I'm uh, very excited because I like, I'm a free tech uh, enthusiast, uh, nerd. I do not engineer or code or any of that myself, but I find the roles and the work that you guys do very fascinating. And in yours in particular, because you are a lot of times I like to see the the people in your role who come from the space, but in your position, You've grown up into this role at C3. Can you tell us about your journey from being a logistics manager to this new, incredible role?
1: Yeah, and and actually, I started even before being a logistics manager. I was a, a summer intern at the C3 and C3 tech team right out of high school, <laughs> and I continued doing that uh, throughout my university studies. And, and funny thing, on the, on the first day, I, I started working at C3. They had actually forgotten that they'd hired me. Uh, they hired me during the winter months and they'd forgotten it. I just showed up to a bunch of surprised faces in the office that were wondering who I was and what I was doing there. <laughs> and I ended up spending my first week uh, sitting at the printer station, uh, waiting for an actual desk to be available. So yeah, so I spent my university years, I guess, in the IT department, honing you know my skills as a system administrator, figuring out how databases work, uh, learning how to code. Uh, building a few internal tools for our IT department to assist them in their work. But I quickly realized that I I wasn't going to get everything that I wanted or needed out of that position. And at some point, there was an opportunity for me to join the implementation team. And that was around, I guess, 2004 or something like that. And this is where really I I, I had some of my most uh, formative experiences, I guess, both on a professional and on a personal level. On the professional side, that's when I started traveling all over the world, mostly in US and Europe, You know, listening to the challenges that our customers are facing and helping them implement our yard management solutions. And on a personal level is really where during those years that I forged some of my deepest and strongest bonds with some of my colleagues. I've been working here for 22 years, so obviously we've built some strong bonds. And implementing a yard management solution can be pretty big challenge that requires a lot of effort. And we needed to be a really close knit team if we wanted to achieve the results that our customers expected, right. And uh, moving on, I guess, back in then, I guess, 2008 or so is when the financial crisis hit, it hit us hard, nobody was buying, especially not a big license based model that involved, you know, huge capital, initial capex and stuff like that. And at that point, I was a director of product innovation and with the guidance of our our CEO uh, Nick Couture we we decided to do the pivot to a software as a service model and that's where i really where i really developed my uh, my product management and product design skills uh, my geeky side combined with my extensive experience that i gained through my implementation years really helped me earn the respect of our developers i was younger than all of my team at that point so it was really important for me to that they don't just see me as a straight manager, but as someone that they could work with and can help them solve their challenges. And by 2012, our, our SaaS platform had grown to several customers. I got promoted to VP of product development, which uh, is a role I held for about 10 years. I was in charge at that point of around you know 50% of C3's workforce, which included our development and our IT departments. And Fast forward to 2023. And here I am taking on the role of CTO. And my focus is going to be on, on driving our vision to where we want it to be.
0: And it's really incredible, especially in that that SaaS like pivot that you spoke about as well. I think uh that's interesting to to see to be a part of that growth and and to be a part of that decision making. Cause I'm sure that's that's a big that's a big pivot for for C three as a whole, but definitely. Right, right timing for it too to to see where we are today and see where the industry is. Right,
1: I mean, it really was a it really was a necessity at that point. We didn't have a choice but to find a model that could be more sustainable for us and and give us the growth that we uh, that we needed. And it was one of the best decisions we took uh, in our history.
0: I want to talk about some of the challenges with yard management, and it's it is really I'm excited that you have such a steep background because. Uh, you've been in the trenches, right? You've had to deal with these. You've, sat, you've been with customers. You've sat with them. What are some of the biggest challenges of integrating technology into the problems of yard management, and and how have you overcome those challenges?
1: Yeah, I guess there's there's several challenges uh, generally in implementing software, especially uh, with yard management system. Um, in our case, I guess it's it's. It's the variability of, uh, of the use cases and the types of customers that we have. It's hard sometimes to identify those common threads, given the, the diverse range of sectors that we cater to. You know, we have customers from arenas, conference centers, chemical storage facilities, uh, high throughput cross ducts, temperature control warehouses, sorting centers, all of these have different needs and different requirements and, and, and priorities. So our focus has always been in those cases on, on focusing on, on really distilling these complexities to figure out their sort of smallest common denominator and, and, and provide value across that entire spectrum. And, and we've done that in our platform by, by really identifying and, and generalizing these common threads. And I think we, we like describing our product as, as really what we build is Lego blocks, so to speak. So both from an application and from an integration perspective. and. And these Lego blocks that we built allow us to really rapidly configure, reconfigure our application to meet the varying needs and integration requirements of all of these different types of customers. And that really provides us uh, a lot of flexibility uh, and ability to be extremely scalable and for a really fast turnaround time and, and, and market time or time to market, sorry, for implementing our solutions. I guess an, another challenge that we've had is definitely in terms of, uh, of integration, like you mentioned, right? Integrating a, a platform into a supply chain is, is, is something that can be quite a challenge. And, and our platform often plays a crucial role as a bridge between our customers' existing systems, right? Typically, we sit between the WMS and the TMS. And while this is good, uh, this capability, I guess, is good and a unique selling point, it also... Brings its own set of complexities, and depending on the customer's existing infrastructure, their ability to develop uh, the, the process of integrating our platform can be a deal maker or a deal breaker. And um, finally, I guess one last challenge I'd mention is, sorry, is uh, with regards to change management. Um, as we introduce our products and our systems, our customers managing the transition and ensuring that the changes are adopted smoothly is really key to our success and our customer satisfaction. We have a software as a service model. We definitely don't want to sign up a customer and that customer decides to leave us a short time after. So making sure that we facilitate the process of integrating our platform through you know comprehensive user training, uh, clear communication, uh, intuitive interfaces is, is really what, what differentiates us and, and helps us address that challenge.
0: Uh, see this is how I know that you've worked the trenches because only someone who's done that would say that last point right is bringing its onboarding the customer and making sure that the satisfaction is there. I think that's the, the most frustrating thing of a lot of tech that I see is it, the values there but because you don't onboard the customer appropriately and train them and and showcase to them you know almost even data governance and like how everything yeah. flows into each other it's worthless
1: it is. And, and you know, one of the specific challenges to, for, for a YMS is the fact that, you know, typically a WMS or a TMS is sort of an upgrade of an existing platform and there's change management that goes with that. But with YMS, it's often going from no tech or an extremely rudimentary system to a full blown technologically advanced solution, which can be really daunting for some companies. Because it doesn't just require a new system, but it's a, it's a shift in the organizational culture, it's a shift in the work practices, it's employee training that didn't used to happen. And, and I'm always surprised at how large retailers or significant players in our industry still to this day rely on pen and paper to manage their yards and, and take their appointments over the phone. We're not exactly talking about blockchain-level technology here. And and this really reflects another challenge in our industry, which is the persistence of these legacy systems or leg- legacy methods, if you want. And convincing these giants of the industry to abandon their time-tested methods and embrace advantage- advanced technology sorry, can be a considerable hurdle.
0: Yeah. For you, what types of, of technology... Uh, even in the yard management solutions that you have, and maybe even outside, excites you the most uh, and why?
1: Well, definitely uh, AI and machine learning is something that's exciting. I think it offers immense potential for predictive analysis and that's going to be able to help our customers in the future anticipate and prepare for peak periods while at the same time reducing their possible bottlenecks that they may have in the yard. But to me, AI and machine learning shouldn't be just restricted to the, the core areas, if you want, of our industries like forecasting, planning, optimization. I think we need to take a look at it from a much broader perspective. And, and one good example of that would be something like customer care, right, which is not necessarily a core, core focus of the supply chain industry. But these technologies can really be leveraged to uh, to enhance the customer experience and streamline our, surface, our service offering. sorry, and our customer onboarding. And my point with that is really that the, the key to fully tapping into the power of AI and machine learning shouldn't be restricted just to what we can develop internally. It also lies in our ability to integrate these externally developed AI solutions into our system. Um, when you take that perspective, it really opens up a world of possibilities.
0: Love that. Though I want to go to most difficult for adoption. What do you think? We talked about right, like this aftermarket, making sure everything is integrated smoothly and customers are onboard appropriately. What type of technology do you think is out there that is necessary for our industry to start looking into? But you know, it's going it, to take the adoption cycle might take a little bit longer than expected.
1: Yeah, I, that, that's a good question, right? I don't think that there's there's necessarily any technology that's to adopt, but some of them are definitely going to be uh, more complicated. Like I, I was comparing uh, blockchain, for example, which is something that has great potential for enhancing um, transparency and security within the uh, supply chain industry. But at the same time, it would require a significant shift in our infrastructure, in our processes, and would most likely mandate like industry-wide agreements and collaboration, which to be fair, might be quite hard, to, quite hard to achieve in the coming years. But, but despite these challenges, I do think that this technology is going to play a role in the future of our industry. And it's important as service providers that we already start considering its applications and planning for its integration today.
0: Love, love that answer. Yeah, uh, especially different contracts between uh, different suppliers, procurement processes. There's going to be a lot of Again, that kind of type of governance and making sure everyone is on the same page. It's it's exciting to know that we're going to be able, at least myself, going to be able to report on that as we grow too. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about. Absolutely. Let's talk about you and your work. C three. What do we have coming down the pipeline? What are you most excited about this year and and really implementing and, and tackling now that you're in this role?
1: Yeah, I mean, our, our most exciting product is certainly our C3 Hive platform, which is our, our brand new uh, driver platform that en- enables communication with uh, third-party drivers as they, uh, as they arrive on site. That's always been a, a big challenge for our customers, uh, especially when you move outside of North America into, uh, into Europe, where uh, language can be a significant barrier. You want to, uh, and, and yard space, I guess, is uh, at a premium uh, in those facilities. So, making sure we can turn around uh, drivers coming for pickups or deliveries in an extremely uh, timely fashion is essential to them, and that's where uh, that's where Hive uh, shines the most is in being able to communicate easily with uh, drivers uh, from uh, any any country. Our application is already translated in dozens of languages, so it really allows us to uh, or allows our customers sorry to, uh, to to streamline the arrival process and, and departure process of those drivers making sure that drivers are on the road where, can, where they can actually do some productive work rather than sit in the yard and wait to be unloaded or loaded.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm very excited to see the growth and happy to have someone new uh, to, of course, interview and, and learn more about. And um, very excited. As, as, like I said, as we grow and we start to dive into these new techs, I'm going to have to have you back on so we can talk about them and their implementation oh, as well. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate your time. And of course, uh, for our audience, as we uh, wrap up this wonderful episode, I've got to let you know, we are going to be in Cleveland in about a month, actually a little bit less than a month. That's right for our future of supply chain. You might have remembered this event was in Arkansas last year. Well, We're bringing it back up to the north here in Cleveland, Ohio. Very say perfect time of the year. head to cleveland and to talk about man some really great shippers that are going to be there talking about the challenges they're having l'oreal uh coca-cola halliburton uh let's see here we got um uh big players like parade vision turbo maven Ryder, denim a lot of the companies that our retailers are using today will be there presenting, showcasing the, of course, technology that they use to make sure that they're staying up to date with their customers too. So go and head to live.freyways.com and get your tickets, hotel rooms, all that jazz so we can hang out in Cleveland here in just under a month, man. Time flies and I'm excited to see my Freeways family there and all of you there as well. And of course, if you are looking for some more content from me, you can head to XM every night monday through friday to the road dog trucking channel channel 146 and we're talking all things freight it's a lot of fun driver content shipper content tonight uh, of course we'll have mary o'connell on with us this wonderful wednesday she's always joining us to talk about the work she's doing in her communities as well and just like this community head to freightwaves.com slash pos make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter so you get that on monday and then of course this wonderful show comes out on wednesday for y'all to enjoy too thank you so much everyone for watching make sure you go out there and spend some money to keep this show going and i will talk to you all next week